0: good morning. It is great to be together both in person and I think still online. So uh, it's good to be together, isn't it? So thanks for Braving the Cold. Those of you that uh, came out and are sitting here in person, thanks for getting up and uh, trusting that our live stream would work uh, this morning. Uh, So, uh, it's just good to be together as God's people. I just invite you to grab three things, whether you're here in person or at home. Uh, Last week, since um, we weren't in person and our live stream failed, we're going to have communion this morning because we, we missed that last week. And I missed that last week, just participating with our family here. And so uh, if you're here, hopefully you received something as you came in, our little prepackaged communion elements. Uh, If you didn't, you can raise your hand and uh, Cheeto will... Uh, get you something at home. If you want to take a moment and just grab something that will represent communion for you at home, that would be great. Something representing the blood of Christ that's been poured out and the body of Christ that's been given for you. Uh, We'll come to that at the end of the message. Uh, The second thing I'd uh, ask you to grab is your Bible. Bible. Uh, So we'll be in a few different places, but we're going to focus on Colossians chapter 1, and i just love it if you'd follow along. That can be your digital Bible, your paper Bible, uh, and if you're uh, part of the Faith Life community, um, then i just invite you to grab your device and uh, open up the digital bulletin Uh, that can help you get to the Scriptures. Not all the Scriptures that we will talk about this morning will be on the screen, uh, but I hope that you will... Uh, either take note of them or uh, follow along uh, digitally or in your own Bible. Well, we've started a new sermon series a couple of weeks ago that I've just called On Target, and I'm just asking, are are we on target as the people of God, as the people who have gathered together in this local body called Meadows Christian Fellowship? And I, I know that there's extensions to that, and so if If this isn't your home church or if you're primarily joining online, uh, welcome, glad that you're here, and and I think that this series can help you as well to just evaluate if you're on target for Jesus Christ. So we've started this series to look at our seven shared member values as a church, And, and those are affirmation, grace, humility, trust, submission, maturity, unity. So January 26, 2020, together as the members of Meadows Christian Fellowship, we uh, adopted a revised constitution that included these values. And in that, we committed to one another, hey, l- let's work at living these out together. Let's help one another to engage in these values uh, and, and really largely because the elders suggested that, that these things will guide us toward healthy unity in our church. Now I know that we have a lot of words around our church and there's seven and maybe that's hard to remember. But one of my goals over the next several months is to get these ingrained in our minds. Affirmation, grace, humility, trust, submission, maturity, unity. And that goal of unity is so important. It's just how the world will know that we are Christ's disciples. It's, it's how people around us will, will see a difference in us, that Christ makes such a difference in our lives that he's brought us together as different as we are because unity doesn't mean uniformity. Unity in its full beauty is when differing things come together and still can relate together and grow together and work together to display the glory of God. So we've started in affirmation, and uh, last week uh, we just... Uh, talked about how affirmation really needs to be grounded in something. We can't just encourage each other with just random things. We need to ground our encouragement, these affirmations, these positive declarations of something that is true... We need to ground them in truth, and then they will be truly motivating, truly inspiring, truly encouraging to take the right action. And so we said we want to ground our affirmation in our identity in Christ, which begins with we've been created in the image of God. That simple truth uh, really has vast implications for every human being. Every human being has been created in the image of God. There's been something put in us that is very Godlike. And yet, we looked at last week that yes, something bad happened. Sin came into the world, and that image was marred, but it's been redeemed through faith in Christ, and it's been renewed by the Spirit. And so, that image, our identity in Christ, is what we can root our affirmation in. And I just hope that we will just grow in our ability and our commitment and our regularity of just encouraging one another about what's true of us in Christ. And as we affirm one another in these things that are true of us in Christ, it will move us toward unity, both in how we see ourselves, in how we see one another, and in how we function for the Lord. Well, do you have your device ready? I hope you've found the digital bulletin. We've given you instruction about that before, um, but I I hope that you have it open. I just want to ask some questions today, and I, I don't know about you, but maybe you know that there's a football game going on. Uh, There's a football game going on this afternoon, and and, and it hasn't gotten quite the same hype as in years past, but I I think it's still a a significant event in our world. I think still millions of people are going to gather around their televisions tonight, and maybe in smaller groups, but uh, there's going to be some activity tonight around a football game. And, and I, I I don't want to just inform you about a football game. I actually want to try to use the football game this afternoon to get you to think about a couple of questions. So here's questions for our survey. Okay, first of all, first question. It's an easy one. Are you going to watch the game? Okay. Okay. So first of all, if you haven't found the digital bulletin yet, we're. We're showing that there's just a very small portion of us that have any clue about technology. Um, So I worry about your ability to watch the game because you're going to have to use a device to watch the game. Uh, So hopefully uh, you'll be able to watch the game. Okay, so this isn't really a statistical, verifiable uh, number, but probably the majority of us are going to watch the game. Second question, what's the best part of the Super Bowl for you? Okay, I give you four options, and maybe your option isn't up there. You've got to pick one of mine. Okay, is it, is it the game? You're just in it for a, I just want a good game. The commercials. You know, companies have spent millions and millions of dollars uh, to entertain you. Uh, the halftime show, or yes, my personal favorite, the snacks. The Super Bowl is such a great time to get out snacks, isn't it? So we were talking about um, what snacks do we want, and uh, I, I had gotten home from a meeting yesterday. My boys were playing out in the yard, and uh, I said, hey, hop in. Let's go get the snacks. And so I texted Aaron and said, hey, the boys and I are going to get snacks. And she calls me up, and she goes, but Audrey and I were going to go get snacks. And I said, well, we can both go get snacks, right? So we got snacks. Uh, so, so it's a happy day. Okay, last question who are you rooting for in this game? Okay, if you didn't know, it's the Kansas City Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and, and for the first time in my life, I, this is a big deal for me. For the first time in my life, my mother wants to watch the Super Bowl. Okay, I, I cannot remember A time when my mother wanted to watch the Super Bowl. But multiple times over the course of the last couple of weeks, she has asked, are you sure we're going to be able to watch the Super Bowl? And that meant a couple of things. Uh, Is our schedule free? Yep, it is. Okay, Sunday evening, we don't have anything planned. We're planning on watching the Super Bowl. Second question is, do we have the technology in place to actually watch the Super Bowl? He said, Mom, we're going to be able to watch the Super Bowl. It's going to be okay. But why are you so interested in the Super Bowl this year? Well, here's why. Because Tristan Wirfs grew up right next door in the town right next door to my mother. My mother knows his grandmother and mother. And so all of a sudden, this new rookie gets drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, becomes a star rookie, and my mother wants to watch the Super Bowl she instantly became a Buccaneers fan. First of all, she didn't know who was playing, but once she found out, she became a Buccaneers fan. So she began to poll our household. Hey, who are you cheering for? Because she's going to take this seriously. So um, we started having this conversation of, who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? And frankly, neither of these teams is a household favorite, Okay. We were just going to watch the game, but all of a sudden, mom up the ante, and now we have to take sides. And so Riley goes, I can't cheer for the Buccaneers. And my mom's like, why not? Tristan Wirfs is on the team. And Riley said, well, but I kind of like Patrick Mahomes. Like, you know, he's he's one of these players that just... He has a really good reputation for being a, a team leader and a team player and a quality guy on the field off the field. He he won the Super Bowl last year. Like it's it's I, I just I'm going for Patrick Mahomes and all of a sudden it dawned on me we have an issue of identity and reputation that's driving our family My mother never cared about anything to do with professional football until this year because she knows somebody, because she knows the identity of a key player. And all of a sudden, his identity has impacted my mother. But for Riley, it's about reputation. But here's what I want us to get today, and as we think about this in the game this afternoon, I hope we'll hang on to this. As you see uh, Patrick Mahomes take his position and lead his team down the field, I I hope you'll be thinking about reputation. And as you see Tristan Wirfs defending his quarterback, I hope that you'll think about identity because identity shapes our reputation. And in turn, reputation shapes our identity. Think about this. Who you are, who you believe that you are, then influences how you behave and what you do and what you value, and all of that feeds into reputation, which is really other people's opinion about how authentic your identity is. Okay, are you who you say you are? Are you authentically who you say you are? Now, um, Tristan hasn't been in the NFL long enough to really have a reputation. His reputation is starting to form. But we'll see. He's a young man who has just given a ton of money. He's gained some fame and prestige. Let's see how those things begin to affect his reputation. Now, Patrick Mahomes, I really don't know much about him. I don't even know where he's from or his, his growing up. I don't know much about his identity, but I can infer some things from his reputation. Here's the thing. The same thing happens for us. The same thing happens for us. Our identity shapes our reputation, and our our reputation, who we begin to hear people think we are, what we begin to believe from other people, shapes our identity, and it's this cycle that we need to be very careful of. We need to guard our identity and our reputation. This was really important to Paul as he writes to the Colossian church, And so just hear it in the opening verses of Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 3. It says, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now here, I just want to look at this in, uh, in, in three, uh, three movements. Okay, first we see... That identity leads to reputation. Reputation is important. And we see three key things about reputation. Then as we move through, uh, we're going to see that reputation is actually this dynamic thing. And so you really have to understand and consistently, authentically live out your identity to establish a good reputation. And finally, I just want to uh, connect our identity in Christ to the kingdom of Christ. And so let's, let's just look at Paul's recognition of the reputation of the people in Colossae. Verse 3 again, we always thank God, the Father for our, of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Verse 4, since we heard of your faith. Okay, since we heard is a key phrase that says, this is talking about reputation. Okay, Paul said, I've heard things of you from a third party. There's people that are observing you that have now begun to talk about you, and it's come to me. And here's what I've heard here's what's core to your reputation. I've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. What three words? define or mark the reputation of the people of God at Colossae? Come on, interact with me. What three words they're even underlined? Okay, faith, love, and hope. Here's three things that should define our reputation. These are three characteristics that we see more than once in Scripture that are, are told to us, this is what you should be known for. Paul is so excited about the people of Colossae because their reputation is showing forth their faith, their love, their hope. The primary distinctives of their reputation are these three things. And so I'm wondering today do these three things define your reputation as an individual? Do, do these three things define our reputation as a church? Do, do these three things define the reputation of God's people in the world today? Those get, I think, increasingly harder to answer. Here's what I think has been true about 2020. 2020. And really true about difficulty in general, difficulty tends to reveal what's true about somebody's reputation. Difficulty tends to reveal the identity and how consistently someone is living out of their identity and and it either validates or invalidates a reputation. We have lived through a year of difficulty 2020 was a challenging year for so many reasons. And I know that we're not through it all yet, but I think this is a great moment to just pause and go, are we on target? Is our reputation, as we've come through this difficulty, is our reputation showing forth these three characteristics? Faith. Faith is this assured conviction that motivates bold action. Okay, if, if you think of any passage in Scripture, when you think of this word faith, I hope it's Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, just in the first three verses, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now, it's so fascinating to me that the writer of Hebrews starts in those contexts. But he says faith has to go beyond sight. Faith has to go beyond what's visible. Faith is beyond what we can see, touch, and feel. But it's real out there. I'll just say our hearts and minds are so quickly distracted by the things that are sensory so that the things that are unseen grow very dim very quick. But if faith is going to be a defining characteristic of our reputation, we have to see beyond what we can actually sensory experience. So faith is this assurance, I used that word, assured conviction. It is is this essence inside of us that goes, yes, I believe there's something else out there. So much so that I'm willing to take the step off the edge. So much so that I'm willing to take bold action. This is so important to me, so compelling to me that I'm going to step out in boldness. That's what marked these people in Colossae. That's what marked the the Colossian believers. Their lives had been changed. They had begun acting in faith. They would become so convinced that God had created the world out of nothing by the power of His Word, and in that He created humankind in His image, that yes, there was a problem with that, but they had come to believe that Christ redeemed that, that the Spirit renews that, and they're living out of that. Faith defined their reputation. I just wonder this morning, does that kind of faith define your reputation? It, it, it's connected to your identity in Christ. Our identity in Christ should so compel us that we're, we're living in that kind of faith. So does faith define your reputation? Second one, love. Love. Love is this deep affection expressed primarily through service and sacrifice. That's not often how we define love. In fact, a week from today, uh, we're going to express love to people. Hopefully to one another because we're going to gather together. I think it's so appropriate that Valentine's Day falls on a Sunday this year so that we can come together and shower each other with love, but it's a love that's not like the world's definition of love. And we get that from 1 John 4.10. When we hear that God loved us, we didn't love Him first, but how God showed us His love is that He sent His Son to die in our place. He sent His Son as a sacrifice for many. The thing that marked Jesus' ministry, maybe more than anything, Else, And even the prediction of Jesus' ministry is his service and his sacrifice. That's godly love. A deep affection expressed primarily through service and sacrifice. Now, service isn't just doing things for one another. Service has an emotional component, a spiritual component, a physical component. We are to serve one another because we love one another. Scripture also says that that this love that God has shown us, that God has given us the definition for, should mark our response to God. It should be a primary mark of our response to God. That we would love God above everything else with all our heart and our soul and our might. Does that kind of love define your reputation? Are, are you a person that when other people think of you, they go, wow, he or she loves God? And then love for others. 1 Corinthians 13 is always a favorite passage uh, to turn to. Uh, Josh uh, Copeland got married yesterday to Tammy, and I don't know if this text was read, but it's a, it's a wedding favorite But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, just verses 4 to 8, says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never runs out. Is that the kind of love that is a hallmark of your reputation? When when, when other people talk about you, when other people talk about our church, when other people talk about Christians in general, is it this kind of love that defines what they say? Now, it's interesting. This is one of those passages where we get this triad, faith, love, and hope. So down at the bottom in verse 13, it says, So now faith, hope, and love abide. Yeah, these three, three things are the lasting definers of reputation. If you want to create a legacy, if you're getting on in years and you go, man, I really want to leave a legacy. Would you focus on faith, hope, and love? Because these last These these make a lasting impression on people. People are not soon to forget bold faith. We see it in the book of Hebrews. Wow, there's a whole list there that the writer of Hebrews recalls to mind of of people who had bold faith. It's not soon forgotten. That's a lasting reputation. Love, this, this selfless, sacrificial, servant love. People don't soon forget that hope. People don't soon forget that. But I want to point out this last phrase in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, these three, faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. I hope you'll hear this. We, We need to be working on our reputation of faith, love, and hope. These three things should mark our lives, should mark our church, should mark the people of God. But we can have bold faith, And without love, people aren't going to remember it, right? We can even spread this contagious hope, but without love, people aren't going to remember it, right? Because the greatest of these three is love. So I wonder, does, does that mark your reputation? Is that what we're known for as we come out of 2020 as individuals, as a church, as God's people in the world? Are are we known to be people of bold faith with incredible love? Thirdly, hope. Hope is a confident, confident, joy-filled expectation that there is more to come. Hope is a confident, joy-filled expectation that there is more to come. First Peter, chapter one. if I uh, think about hope, First Peter comes to mind very quickly. Uh, first Peter is one of my favorite books. Um, I just can't find it in the Bible. So hang on, here it is. The first couple of verses of First Peter chapter one say this: "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again." Those are words of identity. Those are words of identity that we need to hear. We we are we are recipients of this great mercy of God. We're born again to what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To what? An inheritance of the king. How often do you spend time thinking about your inheritance in Christ? Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3 come to mind, but even here in 1 Peter, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Tristan Wirth, when he signed with the Buccaneers, he got a $6 million signing bonus. And I think about that and I go, man, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. He'll make $16 million over the course of his contract that's a lot of money. It's only four years. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Our inheritance in Christ is worth so much more. Our inheritance in Christ is imperishable. Nobody can take it away. It doesn't rot. It doesn't fade. Doesn't, it's undefiled. It's unfading. It's kept safe in heaven for you. How often do you think about your inheritance in Christ? The next thing Peter mentions is God's power that is guarding us. How often do you think of God's protection and his privilege in your life? Man, that hope fuels faith. Hey, if God is for us, who can be against us? Let's go. That that reality fuels love, this hope that we go, yes, I believe there's something more, so much so that I can't help smiling about it because it's amazing. I have this incredible inheritance in God's power and this wonderful, wonderful privilege of serving him is just amazing. And then thirdly, Peter says, to the praise of his glory. Okay, He's done this, He's brought us into this living hope that we might get an inheritance, that we might have protection from His power, and that we might be engaged in the praise of His glory. I don't know about you, but when my heart is rightly worshiping God, that's when hope is most clear in my mind, in my heart. When, when, I'm, when I'm rightly walking with Him, when when I'm pursuing Him, when I'm worshiping Him, whether that's in song or in in silent meditation on the Word, whether that's in the things that I do, whether it's that even in eating snacks this afternoon, just realizing that this is for the praise and glory of God. May all that we do bring glory to the Lord. This is our hope that in everything we do we bring Him glory. Sort of faith and love and hope, do they mark your reputation? When, when the world around us thinks about us, when the world around us talks about us as individuals, as a church, as God's people in the world, are these three things the marks that they mention? Sadly, I don't think they often are. And so I go, okay. Let's not despair that. Let's affirm one another in this. Let's affirm one another in our identity in Christ that these things may be more and more and more true of us as individuals, as us as a church, and as we have influence in the people of God in the world. Now, here's here's the truth. Identity understood and authentically lived leads to a good reputation. Identity is the key to reputation. If we get our identity right, our reputation is going to take care of itself, and our reputation will feed back into that positive identity because identity shapes reputation. And then reputation enforces or shapes that identity. So to understand and authentically live out our identity in Christ... Is the path to the right reputation? Abraham Lincoln said, character is like a tree and reputation like its shadow. The shadow is what we think of. The tree is the real thing. Is your identity in Christ the real thing to you? I think sometimes we get the shadow and the real thing messed up. The the shadow is often what we can see and touch and feel and smell in the world. But what's truest about us, what's the most real thing to us, is who we are in Christ. Affirmation is simply the declaration of what is true. Do we affirm each other in that? Wow, you're a child of the King. You've been redeemed by Jesus. In Him, you are blessed and chosen and adopted. Is that how we affirm one another? If we begin affirming each other, as we continue to affirm one another in that, faith and love and hope will be built in us. For good or for bad, reputation is a dynamic thing. We need to affirm one another's identity over and over and over again so that we may maintain a good reputation. You can think of probably a a number of news articles, even recently, where reputation changed pretty quick. Whether it's a company or whether it's a person, they do one thing and reputation takes a hit. That's true for us as well. We have to be vigilant. We have to be consistent. And affirmation helps us to stay on that path. That's what we see Paul doing in uh, verse 9. He says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. He's saying, hey, reputation changes in a heartbeat, so I'm praying for you. And I want to remind you, and I'm praying that God would remind you of the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I pray that you'd understand and that you'd authentically live out your identity in Christ. Because then reputation will take care of itself. So Paul prays for them. May you be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's saying, I'm just praying that you remember what God has done in your life. Over and over, Paul affirms this in the churches that he's been a part of, in the people that he's been a part of, in the world that he is a part of. He's just always affirming the identity of Christ in people. He's praying fervently that we'd get the identity of Christ. And then he closes with verse 13 and gives us an anchor for that identity. What what, what can we tie our identity to? And I think this is so important. So important. He says, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have the redemption of sins. Simply put, God has made us kingdom people. He's made us kingdom people. Our identity is tied to God's kingdom. Now, let me say that the way it's on my side. Our identity is tied to our kingdom. Whatever we view as our kingdom, that's what it's going to be tied to. So, um, go back to eighth grade biology if you can for a minute. Some of you might have to fast forward. Here's what you have to look forward to. How how do species get categorized? What's the, the most basic categorization of species? Kingdom. Okay, not really. Since 1990, it's been domain. But domain is really about microscopic things and not microscopic things. Okay, so we're just, we're going to say, okay, domain eh, doesn't really count for this conversation. Kingdom is really what we're talking about. That's the most basic identity we can look at. So, what's your kingdom? What, what kingdom informs your identity? Now, now Paul says, though I would argue, it seems like there's a lot of kingdoms out there. Okay, we could probably start listing the things that try to inform your identity. And anything that tries to inform your identity is a kingdom. There's an agenda there. But Paul says there's two kingdoms. That's it. There's two. There's the dominion of darkness. There's the kingdom of light. That's that's our only options. We fall into one of those two buckets, whether we like it or not. And even if we're in the kingdom of light, there may be some good things that want to influence our identity. But if they're not part of the kingdom of light, they are part of the kingdom of darkness. Those are the only two options. And so it comes back to a football game. So this afternoon, you're going to see two kingdoms warring on the field. These two players, one that I know something about the identity of and one that I know something of the reputation of, they cannot play for both teams at the same time. Okay, that that would not be allowed, nor would it be acceptable. Patrick Mahomes can't go, hey, you know what? I just like playing offense. So whoever's on offense, that's what I'm going to play on, okay? He can't do that. Even if Tristan Wirf is defending his quarterback better than Mahomes' line is defending his, Mahomes can't go, hey, I want to be behind that line. It doesn't work that way. There are two kingdoms, and we can't play for both kingdoms at the same time. Nor do we get to cheer from the sidelines. That's not an option for us. If you are alive and breathing, you are in the game. Okay, see, what we get in the picture that we see in Hebrews is we see people cheering. Woo, yeah. Your faith is looking good. And we think, hey, I'll be one of those people. I'll be the cheering section. So you all that are loving Jesus well, woo, I'll cheer you on. But guess what? All those people in Hebrews are dead. If you're alive today, you're in the game. There's no sideline. You're in. You're on the field. And it doesn't matter if you feel like you're making $16 million or if you're getting the measly six hundred grand of the guy next to you. It doesn't matter. You're in the game. And every part of the team is important. Every part of the team matters. And our reputation is on the line with everybody involved. So your reputation and your reputation impacts our reputation and our reputation as a church impacts the reputation of God's people in the world. And here may be even the more bold thing. Our reputation impacts God's reputation. Being made in the image of God means that we are stewards of God's reputation. That's a daunting responsibility, and yet he's given us everything we need in order to have a good reputation. So my question this morning really comes down to what kingdom are you in? What what kingdoms do you flirt with? And here's the danger, I think. There are some good-looking kingdoms in the world, but they're not kingdoms of light. And anything that begins to pull us away from the kingdom of light, anything that distracts us from the kingdom of light impacts our reputation. And so I just hope that you'll do this. When, When you see something interesting... When you see something compelling in the world, will you ask this question? Does this help my reputation reflect faith, love, and hope? Like if we would focus just on those three things, faith, love, and hope, as the defining markers of our reputation, man, we would be powerful. So I just want to push on a on a couple just I'm going to try to do it gently. If you're getting identity from a relationship your reputation is on the line. If your identity is tied to the kingdom of your marriage or the kingdom of your relationship or the kingdom of your family, your reputation's on the line. If your reputation is tied to the kingdom of your work or your worth in the world, your reputation's on the line. If your reputation is tied to a country, if your identity is tied to a country, your reputation's on the line. And I want to be careful here because I love America and I love our freedom. But Christian patriot is a dangerous, dangerous title. Because those two kingdoms, we can't play on both teams. Eventually, they come to conflict. Christian nationalist is a dangerous title. Because eventually those two kingdoms will be in conflict. Again, let me just say I love America. And if you've served our country, if you have sacrificed for this country, I say thank you. Because this is a wonderful, beautiful country, and it is worth trying to protect. But if it begins to inform our identity more than Jesus Christ and his kingdom, our reputation is at risk. 2020 has revealed the church's reputation is on the line. God's people's reputation is on the line because we have bought into a lot of other things. And I want to lovingly, carefully call us back to Are we on target? And is our kingdom identity squarely in Christ's kingdom? Is that what influences, informs our identity? And that alone. Now, Paul closed that section in Colossians with a little phrase that I don't want to miss because it is the hinge pin. We are brought into this kingdom through sacrifice. Being brought into this kingdom cost a life. Being brought into this kingdom required an incredible degree of sacrifice on your behalf. And it has incredible benefit for us. If you have your elements, you can take them.